Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational, educational, and entertaining podcast for auto detailers. Welcome to the community. the Pints of Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill. You can find me at Total Solutions on most platforms. If you're on TikTok or like we are right now on Clubhouse, you can find me at Detail Supply App. If you need an invite to Clubhouse, just shoot me a text, 918-800-1188. I'm joined today with Nick from Vegas Rides. You can find him on most platforms at Vegas Rides. If you want to shoot him an email, that's the best way to get in touch with him. Shoot him an email at nick at vegasrides.com. Nick, uh, have you, I just got to know, have you throughout the weekends and as uh, things have grown, have you dove into seltzers? Has that ever been a thing for you? Oh, yeah. Seltzer kind of guy? Yeah, 100%. Why not? I mean, everybody. What? it's five oh, o'clock somewhere, so I'm gonna dive into <laughs> truly what I think is the best uh, seltzer out there. That's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, what's been some of the fun seltzers that you've had? I think I've had them. You know, I think the main ones. Truly, uh, what's the Michelob Ultra Organic? Is a new one, right? Did you like that? Uh, not really. I only like the lemonade ones. The lemonade Trulies. Oh, I can't stand those. I don't. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't. I don't like the just the normal seltzer water. I don't, but I don't really love seltzer water. So, um, what what's the other one called? White Claw. Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, Truly just, and White Claw just, were the big ones. Yeah, Truly uh, Lemonade. That that'd be the one. I'm good yeah. with that. It, uh, it's been crazy to see what uh, seltzers have done through the beer industry. I know a couple of years ago when they kind of first started coming out, got made fun of quite a bit for liking them, drinking them. And uh, interesting as uh, more and more people continue to drink seltzers, how much it's grown through popularity to the extent, like you said, even Michelob Ultra, a Bud Light came out with their own seltzers. It yeah. seems like every yeah, I've, I've tried, I've tried brand, that one too. Yeah. Yeah. That Bud Light was tough. Uh, so, so to me, I kind of looked at it and I thought it was funny. A big change in the industry for beers, right? Big change for alcohol. Yeah. A massive change for the industry of detailing has been a movement from, well, waxing to spray waxing in a sense, right? We've always had spray waxing, but it seems like that has just dramatically taken a massive increase. Do you remember some of the first ones that you used? Like, uh, I know we've talked about it and we've kind of played around, you know, there was shake-up waxes, there was different type of waxes, but any, uh, any early spray waxes that uh, you remember using oh yeah i mean I, th- I think everybody who's been doing it long enough remembers when mcguire's express spray wax came out and it was just so easy to use compared to what you know everybody else's was it it kind of changed a lot of things right like you could you could do it on the spot you know give somebody a little quick wax uh and not have it smear everywhere and you know some of those early spray waxes were I mean, you might as well just wax the car because you were spending so much time trying to get the smears off. So, yeah, that would probably be the first one that really, I think, was a mainstay. And then as as McGuire's technology, with that spray wax got so good, other companies started popping up and having better and better technology. Uh, you know, I remember the transition from wax to sealant, which was the big, you know, first step. Um, you know, then spray sealants kind of took off that were polymer based. 
And now I think we've jumped into the, you know, spray on SIO2. I mean, that, that's kind of been the evolution, spray wax to spray sealant to spray on SIO2. Yeah, and you're right. There was uh, there was so much smeariness to a lot of those oh, early spray dude. waxes. The other side, too, wasn't just the smears, which, you know, you would have to do a multi-towel removal. You really would. Yeah, you, was... you always would. Um, and you would a lot of times have to always come back over afterwards to make sure that you got everything off. Yeah. The, the, the thing though was also, uh, and I think a big, a big difference is the amount of dust. You remember how much some of those products, because they changed to solvent, uh, as a carrier, I guess. I mean, there was a lot of dusting involved in many of those early spray on, or like I had said earlier, and I, I know we've talked about before is shake up waxes, right? Those shake up waxes yep. that would separate and they would have an oil on top and then the, the carnauba or whatever the, the wax was on the bottom, those yeah. dramatically had massive, massive dusting and it would get all over your towel. And it didn't yep. matter if you were mobile. And even if there was wind, right, you're still going to get it all over the car because, you know, it was just a horrible dusting process. And well, if you got it on too, yeah. too much of the plastics, right? You yep. remember whiting out any plastics yep. from wax? I'm like, 100%. wait, I'm fucking waxing a car and I just ruined some plastic. Like it didn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, because what happened was, is that, you know, we knew that if you got paste wax or sealant on trim, that it, it would white the trim, you know, it would stain the trim. The, the big jump was, hey, I got this thing in a bottle, it kind of sprays everywhere. Now I got to be cautious of those first iterations of the spray wax would do the same thing and it would just like stain. And then you would be spending all this time trying to clean the plastics. And I mean... Yeah, I remember all that. And we've transitioned into something now that you can essentially spray on every surface of the car, uh, you know, with very little worry. I mean, you know, great SIO2 sprays are great on windows. And, you know, it wasn't how it always was. I mean, it's been a crazy transition just in a very short period of time, if you think about it. Yeah. So when, when you would get those dustings or the whiteouts, you know, there's a lot of things that we do different, but there's a lot of things we do similar in the industry. Did you used to prep a car differently back then? Like maybe did you, if you knew that, you know, if you got a product that was going to dust, did you do stuff different? Uh, did you, if you had a car that you were going to wax and there was an, an opportunity of putting wax on a plastic that would white it out, would you tape off the entire vehicle? No, I never, I never did that. Um, but I was a lot more careful than I have to be today with the products. I mean, I think there was a, Waxing took time. I mean, it really took a lot more time in the beginning than people thought. You know, waxes weren't always fun and easy to work with. Uh, even if you go to paste can waxes, I mean, th those were, I mean, they were tough. Some of those were so tough to remove. It was a lot of work. I mean, it was a lot of work. And so, no, I, I always just had the affinity of I'm going to take my time around a door panel. I'm going to take my time around a piece of plastic or, you know, it's, if you had a muscle car, like a shaker hood, that was uh, a piece of plastic or something like that. Like I always just kind of took my time. I never wanted to do the tape off route. Um, and, you know, to be very fair, once machines could, we got pads that were soft enough. I did a lot of machine application because it was more consistent because it was more, uh, you know, uniform, I felt like that was the best way. I know a lot of guys did by hand their whole career, but as soon as the machines got to a point where I felt like I could apply it, 
um, more evenly and the pads were good enough, I always applied by machine. Yeah, I was, I was the same way. I kind of did that same journey, but there's no doubt I did a lot of wax on, wax off. You know, I was a full Mr. Miyagi fan. I, I did everything that he taught me to do as, as I would even <laughs> try and stand on one leg as I would do it, no doubt. Um, the, the early machine that first got you to switch, do you remember? For me, it was a porter I cable. I think it was, a porter, it was a porter cable. cable. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, that was probably... Yeah, I would say that's probably mine, to be honest. Um, it just made it so easy and it, consistent. You know, what you were looking for with wax that you don't have to concern yourself so much with now is you didn't want the hood to be thick and then you had barely any on the door panel. And so now you're waiting an extra 40 minutes for the, the, the hood to dry so you can wipe it off and, and all that kind of stuff. So once it became more anything to lay it on more consistent, I took advantage of it. It, that the drying part too and i uh you know as i would wipe on then when i'd go to remove i would notice that i was heavier in certain spots and i'd have to work heavier there yeah uh and yeah. it was lighter in some spots and that would come off easier and it was interesting as that would kind of trickle back through my mind you know years later 2016 as i you know come out with coatings of trying to describe how to apply a coating and making sure that you install it evenly well, completely different product, completely different technology, but same theory and detailing still was represented, right? Uh, yep. Giving a, like you said, a good system down to make sure that you get it even. And for me, the big reason that's why I switched to the Porter Cable was it, it allowed the movement of the pad and of, of you know, using a, a unified movement so that it would go around on that hood in a better, yeah. more even so that I didn't 100%. have to work harder in one spot would have it, you know, the same spot on the hood as I would in another spot of the hood. That, yeah. that to me was, a I big mean, deal. It, yeah, it was a, you know, that was a, and there's just like a lot of these little game changing moments, right? There's just like a, always going to be these really isolated game changing moments in your career where you look back and say, Oh, you know, it was hard to apply. And then it got easier. And, you know, we're seeing it now. I mean, I think the SIO2 spray market is in a different place today than it was five years ago. I mean, it just is. And that that's what happens, right? There's always a, there's always an evolution of product. So you're saying SIO2 spray. So we said a minute ago, there's a wax spray that we had used before. So, all right. So walk us through what's an SIO2 spray. Well, the SIO2 spray market's pretty easy to figure out, right? It's it's a water delivered. Uh, and again, ceramic coatings are. Um, okay. So hold on. You said easy to understand, but water delivered and ceramic coating. Is that yeah. easy to figure out? Well, yeah, it's just a different delivery system. So okay. let's let's walk through it. So true ceramic. For true ceramic to be applied in the most effective manner, we know that it has to be solvent resin delivered technology of the ceram of the SiO2. Okay. Yeah. There is no debate about that. There's different compounds and different things and different ways of getting it in the bottle and different ways of putting it on the car. Forget all that. The basis of the chemistry is identical. Okay, which is it has to have a solvent to deliver it to the to the surface most effectively. To be a true ceramic, what you're saying. To be a true ceramic coating. And I always kind of tell people, you know, I hear a lot of people say that the SiO2 amount doesn't matter. They're like, oh, you know, people that are asking for this and 
know, people are worried about SDS sheets and they're worried about ceramic content. You know, those people don't know what they're talking about. Well, they know a little bit. I mean, you've got to have a certain amount of SiO2 concentration in a bottle to really get a nice application of true ceramic to stay on the car. Okay. And what we mean by that is, is it's going to give it some longevity. The only benefit to ceramic over wax and sealant is the longevity of it. Okay, there's a little more gloss. That We all know that gloss, 99% of gloss comes from polishing the paint. The other 1% is the product that you apply. Like no car that has paint protection film on it is going to be as glossy as a perfectly 100% uh, paint corrected and waxed car because the PPF is going to take away from it. Okay? And it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. We're talking about perfection here. If I have perfected paint and you have perfected paint with plastic on top of it, mine's going to look more refined. So we know most of the gloss comes from that refinishing of the paint. But the benefit of ceramic technology is we're able to protect the car to a level that wax and sealants can't do just by the pure technology. We know that it takes a lot longer for bird etchings to happen through a ceramic coating than maybe a paste wax. Okay, it's a more durable coating. But bird etchings or bird uh, droppings can eat through ceramic. It's just going to take them longer to get to your clear coat. So, what we're really applying is a more dense and more, uh, a better protectant through ceramic. Wax still works, sealant still work, ceramic is just a, a better technology. That's all that it really is. There is no reason to say anything otherwise. Now, once I have that solvent delivery system and, and we realize that we're doing ceramic for the longevity and a little bit for the gloss and the pop, and okay, let's, let's, let's all agree on that. The minute I take the solvent or the resin and, or both out of the equation and I put it into a water delivered system like SiO2 sprays are in a bottle with water and SiO2 mixed together at very low concentration, I can't really sell it as ceramic coating in my viewpoint. Can I sell it as a protectant? Yeah, I can. It will protect the paint. But is it going to last for six months? Is it going to last for nine months? I've never seen that happen, really. Uh, meaning that I applied it January 1 and never applied it again. And then come September, it was on the car. I've never seen that happen. People can say it happened. I've never seen it happen. We've tested every major product on the market for the betterment of our customers. I've never seen it happen. Have I seen good SiO2 sprays? Of course I have. There are good SiO2 sprays on the market. We're in a weird spot where we're seeing a lot of over-promising about what these water-delivered SiO2 sprays can deliver. Well, I mean, and I want to go back to you had said, you know, that it's easy to understand, but it's really actually not easy to understand if it says SiO2 spray, but it's a water-based protectant. So that it kind of leaves me kind of like, well, what is it? You know, I mean, what what are we? What are we trying to say that we're doing? Are we trying to say as, a, as an industry that we can code a car now with a water delivery system? If so, how much different is that than going through the car wash? 
where they also have a water-based SiO2 delivered product sprayed on the tunnel as the car leaves. So one has more water than the other. One's coming out of a uniform system that has a pump. One is in a bottle that somebody sprays on a car and wipes. So are they both SiO2? And if they are, then listen, I've listened to podcasts, you know, I've said it over and over, SEMA 360 podcast had multiple brands on that were specifically targeting DIY aficionados with ceramic based water sprays. So, yep. so what are we doing as an industry? What are we teaching? Is that a is that a thing that detailers should be concerned about? Or do we just let everything roll? And how does that go? Yeah, so I think it's a good question. I don't know that you and I have the perfect answer to it. These are viable products. What are they viable at doing? That's the debate, right? Is that yeah. I, I think that they're, they are good products for to have in our industry. I kind of hate when people say the word standalone for some reason. I, I just, they're not really meant to be standalone products. In my personal viewpoint, if you want to protect your car, you'd be better off putting a six-month paint sealant, old-school paint sealant down, and then using these sprays for maintenance on top of it, rather than using these as a standalone product. Because there isn't that high level of concentration in SiO2 sprays, no matter what anybody wants to tell you, because it would become unworkable. And you do see this, and so let me backtrack a little bit and, and, and make sure people understand this. That, that I didn't misspeak, I should say, not that they understand, but I didn't misspeak. If you've ever worked with an SiO2 spray that has all these rules to using it, and I'm thinking of one particular company I see on Instagram stories guys send me all the time, and I appreciate you guys sending that stuff to me, where they talk about it framing up on the surface and you spray it and you wipe it in, then you got to take this next towel and buff it off, but you can't push too hard. You got to buff it this way. To me, that screams, this company's putting way too much SiO2 in the formulation, and that's not a benefit, okay? You don't want a ton of SiO2 in a water-delivered system because it's going to just be messy on the paint. The next part of it is, if it's a maintenance spray, you don't want it to overtake the properties of the underlying coating or protectant. That's the other part of this, is that these companies are over-promising on these products and I do think it's a negative in that respect. These should just flat out be maintenance type of products that are, that are thought of as a thin layer of protectant week to week on your car, just as somebody that really loves their vehicle. You know, maybe gives you a little extra pop before you go to the car show. Maybe gives you a little extra pop before you take your girl out on the weekend or whatever it may be. There are real things that these products can do over-promising on these products is always going to be a negative. And that's where we're at. I mean, let's be very frank. People are just over-promising on these products. So do you, do you ever, in your maintenance as the company, I love to do it. We love to maintain customers after we wash their car and previous before sprays, water-based, you know, protectant sprays that came out that have, have really done, right, quite a really good job versus the old technology of sprays, right? But even with the old technology as the sprays, a lot of times those showroom shine type products, 
you know, we would call them, uh, I don't know. I mean, well, that's what we would call them here. Showroom shine. Yeah. You know, it was a final shine, that final spray. Yeah. Uh, some people, you know, you would use them to wipe off fingerprints or just create yeah. some gloss. Uh, detail sprays. Yeah. Detail sprays. Yeah. I'd love doing those on my maintenance customers because the next time I come to clean a car, hopefully it's going to be a little bit cleaner. Hopefully it's going to be, you know, staying a little bit nicer won't take me quite as long there's definitely in some of the spray technology has been some protectant starting to get put down which is super cool and that progression yeah. is nice for me as a detailer so that that i can maintain my customer's car now yeah. we don't tell the customer that i'm gonna put down especially where it's going now with graphene uh, SIO2 infused. I mean, there's all these words that it's like, holy shit. I don't even know what to tell my customers anymore. So I just don't, you know, like, yeah. I'm just going to put down some regular maintenance protection. They don't need to know that I'm a graphene infused SIO2 spray that I'm putting. No, but they don't care. You know, they don't, they don't know. They don't care. No. And, and again, this is, this is where we see the the connection to the DIY market, right? Like, let's be frank. The professional detailer has to be accepting of the DIY market is really the one driving company decisions across the board. I mean, we don't come across very many companies that are just 100% doing what's right for the professional. And so the problem is if you're a professional and you're, you're maybe not as experienced or you are experienced and you want to jump on these trends, you're kind of putting your reputation at stake because if you start talking too much and you start promising too much sooner or later, kaboom, it goes, you know, the dynamite, so to speak, right? Like it just, it's over, you know, your reputation is sunk because you said a whole bunch of stuff that was just a whole bunch of jargon that nobody understood. And you don't build a reputation on your work. You just build as a guy that talks about products all day to his customers. And that doesn't work long-term. Uh, but these SIO2 spray, SIO2 sprays, I think are fun. They're, they're, they're a great evolution of our business. If they're used in the, in the fashion that they are designed from a chemical perspective. Again, I wouldn't take a ceramic coating and put it on the inside of my windshield. Why? It's not really designed for that. Okay. It's not what the product is meant to do. SIO2 sprays are not meant to last 12 months. As I know, we have a, a company out there that's taking some heat right now who has a, a bottled spray that they're telling detailers they can get 12 months out of. Uh, it's not going to work. It, it never has. And I don't think the technology is any closer today than it was five years ago to getting towards a year of protection. So if I'm spraying something on a pad and I'm what, I'm not doing that. We know how sprays are being used. They're being sprayed on the panel or sprayed on the towel and wiped on as a drying aid. They work really well as those things. You can get peace of mind as a detailer that you're doing right by your coded customer's cars by let's say once a month when you do maintenance on a customer's car, you add a little SIO2 spray from a reputable company on the surface of an already existing coating. Perfectly okay to do that. It's okay to do that probably weekly if you have a well-designed product. The problem I see in the SIO2 market is it's either no SIO2 in the formulation and they say there's SIO2 or there's too much SIO2 and it's absolutely nightmarish to work with. And it starts to clog the underlying coating. 
that is the problem because the people that are putting too much SiO2 are the ones telling you this is a standalone product and don't use anything else. This protects just fine. Maybe it does, but I doubt it. We've tested them all. Now you got these people saying they got SiO2 sprays that you put on the end of a hose and you just spray it on the car. And, I, and I'm being told that those are reputable companies. Is it reputable? Because I can tell you, Marty, what you've experienced at a car dealership before. Have you ever seen the reaction? You know, because what they're saying about these new sprays, Marty, is you spray it on, then you rinse it off and it's crazy hydrophobic. Well, you know what we used to do in the old days? We sprayed dressing on the door and created that same effect. Folks, this isn't new. Those companies are putting a dressing-like substance into their formulation to give you that hydrophobic reaction. It's not adding protection. It just isn't. And right, it's so unfortunate you, that that's why some people are doing that. You said dealerships, and it's funny. The interesting thing that I've seen at a dealership now is there's companies that have taken the concept of foam, right? Yep. Foam cannons and how fun that's you know been for our industry. And they've interjected SiO2 into their foam soap. And then when you foam the car and wash it, it also comes with ceramic protection that will last five to seven years, depending on which warranty you buy inside the finance department. So it, yeah. it, it's constantly interesting as, and listen, we will, we'll have fun dissecting things like this for decades, right? I mean, it just is oh, yeah. part of our industry. It always has been, always will be uh, people yep. taking ideas and concepts and, you know, using them to, you know, sell however they want, does it leave the end consumer confused? Does it leave the detailer confused? Does it put us into a, a really weird conundrum of how to then talk to customers? And do we said, do they care about, you know, what spray you're going to use, what coating you're going to, I mean, I, some do evidently, but some don't. But at the end of the day, what are we doing and what are we telling and talking to our customers about? Because what we're starting to see, at least me, when I'm, I'm on a regular daily basis in the detail groups, Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm regularly interacting with detailers and seeing what they're saying and what they're talking about. And there was a post asking about, you know, who has used XYZ company that's come out of a ceramic brand that, you know, but they're not exactly saying that it's ceramics and that, you know, that actually is going to be, you know, sealant and, or we're starting to see videos where people are coming out with their new, you know, entry level single layer, but then inside their videos, they're saying, well, you got to do two layers to really get the full effect. Right. So there's yeah. brands that are saying stuff, but then in real world application is not meeting the needs, so to speak. And it's creating the dilemma. Now in one of these posts that I saw the detailer goes, you know what? I just tell them five years, seven years, the customers don't care. They don't really know what it is. So I just tell them whatever. So has, has that whatever mentality from brands that are misleading and saying, hey, entry level, one layer coding, but you really need to use two on a main public, like massive stage, they say this, right? And then inside yep. dealerships, they'll say that. Inside Facebook groups, we're starting to see detailers then go, well, you know, if brands will say whatever, then I'm just going to tell my customers whatever and just tell them it's going to yeah. last five years. They don't care. Yeah. yeah. 
what the hell is that doing to our industry? Well, you know, and good thing is, you know, all those people are really active in our industry and always doing what's right by our industry, aren't they? I mean, that's the story. There's all these people that care about our industry, yet they're a part of building out product lines and products that you and I know because we've been around for five minutes that it is going to be destructive. You rewind the clock five, six years on the ceramic market. Ceramic was a really special product to our industry. It was exclusive. It was, um, it, it was special, you know, it, it was special, right? Like it was a really, really great product. And what we see today is every year, these customers being lied to or being told or being said a thing or presented products at an O'Reilly's auto part that says ceramic on it, it all starts to chip away. It all starts to chip away at the integrity of our industry. And all these people that play the high and mighty, and maybe they're involved with a certain group or not another group and the high and mighty of what they are, they're contributing to the chipping away at the integrity of ceramic. And so ceramic now is an active conversation that you have to have as a detailer because of what's been put into the universe of ceramic, right? If everybody uses the word ceramic, and if somebody walks into Walmart and sees ceramic, and somebody walks into Target and sees ceramic, and somebody gets on the internet and sees ceramic, then all of this stuff starts to chip away at the integrity of what ceramic is. And so I believe it does present a problem. And now we're having companies say regularly with a spray a year. You and I referenced a video last week of a guy spraying a supposed ceramic coating next to a carp on the applicator like a nut job as if ceramic overspray isn't a problem on the car. Well, it isn't a problem if there's no ceramic in it. Isn't that ironic? That here's a company that's a ceramic coating company that this detailer has chosen to put on his page, doing so in a way that when an educated person looks at it goes, there must not be any ceramic in that formulation. Because nobody in their right mind would just spray ceramic around the car in a windy shop and think, I'm not going to get this overspray on something, right? Every one of these things chips away at the integrity of the ceramic market. Just like, so ceramic companies don't think they're being picked on here. PPF used to be something that you put on the entire hood of a car. Now, what do you see? It's on a quarter of the hood and you see large lines and it's done sloppily. So the PPF market has seen its integrity chipped away. So as products grow and mature, they get chipped away because companies act in an irresponsible manner. Then detailers follow those companies down the hole, and now the customer doesn't really know what to believe. And I believe that's where we're at with the SiO2 sprays. Ceramic sprays are now just in a place where if you have to talk to a customer about it, it's going to be very difficult to get it right because you're going to have to know your stuff and you're going to have to know how to talk to them and talk them off the ledge that this thing they bought at such and such auto parts store isn't going to last for the next 15 years. And it's unfortunate that that's going on. But it, like you said, it's a part of the industry. You know, this is just who we are as an industry. And to think that it's going to change, it just isn't. Yeah, it's, it's not going to change. <coughs> I mean, there's no doubt, you know, as, as I sip on my truly, that uh, 
I really do. I think you're right. I mean, just as seltzers are here, right? I don't, I don't know when there won't be another seltzer, right? It's just, that's going to be here for a long time. The same yeah. as ceramics. Ceramics is here. The same as SIO2 sprays, right? And there's no way of not, I don't, I don't know how we could, let, let's go with this theory. Are NFTs the same as, uh, well, the same as what we could see coming out of the new generation in a sense of, well, we've moved from ceramics. Is there a new ceramic, right? Yeah. Well, it's look, it, they're trying to make it graphene, right? Like we're seeing it live in our face right now. Yeah. Is that we know the graphene technology isn't there. Anybody that's talked to a chemist that's reputable knows there's no such thing as graphene coating as we sit here today in car detailing in 2021, uh, March of 2021 to timestamp it. Look at how many companies are trying to make graphene a reality when the technology isn't there. They're not putting graphene in the, in the solution. They're not doing anything effective with graphene at this point in time. So what you're going to see is either they're going to be able to push it through and actually get it to a reputable spot, or it's going to die off. What happened with SIO2 is we were able to get it to a workable spot. And so now we're going through that third or fourth iteration of it where they're going to put SIO2 on everything, whether it's in there, whether it's formulated properly. And one thing I'll tell detailers is my opinion. If a product's really hard to work with, that's a product I don't want to be a part of because it means something in the formulation is off. We are at a point with SIO2 that if it's extremely hard for you to work with and that you got to spray, I mean, this is actually an Instagram story that happens like once a week with this certain company that I don't want to call out because it's not fair. Um, but I don't know how you get to a place where you tell people to spray this SIO2 spray on, wipe it, let it sit there for a second, wipe it again, but don't press too hard. Don't press too hard, Marty. You got to kind of hold the towel. I mean, I've watched this now several times because it's been sent to me. Folks, there's something wrong in the formulation. You shouldn't have to do that with SIO2 technology in a water-based spray at this point in time. But people think that means it's really going to work. You see how tough this is? I gotta, when I got to work at it, it's going to be really awesome. I mean, it's just not that way, man. And, and I really hate where we're at with SIO2 because it is beneficial to the car owner. You know what I mean? Like it is beneficial. So we're kind of in a weird spot where this really crazy thing has happened because of sprays, but there is good from it. So how do we educate our customer? That's going to be on the detailer to do it in their local area, unfortunately. Yeah, and do it in their own manner, right? We all run our own businesses the own way. We all educate our own way. We all have our own relationships with our customers. Hopefully you haven't bought into a system of automation and only talking to customers through an automated system. Hopefully you have actual person-to-person -person interactions and those will be the times, yes, that you can let your customer know that you have selected what you feel is best for them and it doesn't really need to know that, hey, it's gonna be this infused with this and oh, I bought this guy's thing that sprays this, right? Like just pick out something that you know is viable and put down protectant. I think that really helps and there's no reason to oversell. Right? There's no reason to tell somebody it's a five to seven year product when it's got sealant in the formulation 
right? When it's a water-based spray, you don't need to be selling for a year. You don't need to be jacking up stuff just to hit home runs all the time. There's a part of business and a part of going through your journey of staying consistent, letting your customers know what's going on, maintaining their customers, underselling, over-delivering, and meeting your customers' needs on a regular, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, well, journey. It's a cycle, Yeah. right? So- Nick, man, I am going to finish off my uh, my wonderful seltzer. And uh, thanks for the talk, man. That's, that is an interesting look at, you know, as seltzers have changed beer, you know, how has SI2, how has sprays, how has all that been changing? And uh, really cool analogy, man. So thanks yeah. for your time. Appreciate it. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll check in with you next week, man. Talk soon, bro. All right. Have a great day. episode over leave us a review and we will see you on the community pub wednesday nights at 7 30 central the zoom meeting id is 918-800-1188 that's the community pub wednesday nights 7 30 central the zoom meeting id is 918-800-1188 grab a pint and enjoy